so folks, Jazakumullah uh, khairah. Um, so just a quick announcement, which inshallah if someone reminds me, I'll make at the end as well, for those who are late to get to the lesson. Um, uh, so there's there's a couple of announcements. The first announcement is that the new time, the, uh, the new time starting from next week all the way until the end of the academic year, which is the end of June, uh, the last Wednesday before Ramadan, um, that... Uh, the, the, the time from next week will be 8 o'clock 8 o'clock BST So wherever you are at the moment It's an hour 15 earlier from where you are So wherever you are right now what We will start 1 hour 15 minutes early Than what it is right now It will be 8pm BST And you, you probably you know receive something like that To show you a localized time So remember that So that's the first thing That's how it's going to be now for the next 6-7 lessons However many we have left 7-8 lessons uh, The second announcement is um, to uh, I can't, can't keep saying favorite people because obviously the Cheetah have to be my favorite people, but you know that I have a favorite people and they are the Malaysians, and you know that they're my favorite people, right? So, inshallah, I'm going to be with uh, with uh, those guys in Malaysia and KL. The next few, next three lessons, inshallah, will be in um, with the uh, KL team. So, I look forward to that as well. Um, so uh, that's the main thing. Eight o'clock from next week, number one. Number two, the notes up to date, pretty much up to date, um, are all now on the forums, but they haven't been given a check by me. What does that mean? Well, I normally read through the transcribed notes after they've been produced by the LP transcribing team, which is a large process, to be honest, heavy process. And I read through it if I believe that a few brackets might be needed, a few extra clarificatory notes, some references, something useful. I, I change very little, frankly. Okay, And of course, if I notice I made some kind of mistake, then I've as I've told you before, the mistake will then be clarified and corrected in those notes. That's why I said to all students, it is essential that you are part of the mailing list, part of the forums, and that you are get you are looking at the notes regularly. So you'll see that there's a note there which says that these have not been checked by myself. They will be checked probably not not in the next month, by the way, because I'm just very busy at the moment. But they will be checked, and when they've been checked, then they can be taken um, and memorized properly. Uh, and understood. So those are the, the main uh, announcements. Score? Score? Don't blag it. Just tell me, tell me the score. No, no. Seriously, someone said no, no. Don't blag like you're not checking because I know you know what the score is. I need to know, Yanni, thingy. Because you see, it's it's not a short term thing, it's a long term thing. Okay, this lesson has. Um, <laughs> this lesson? Huh? Okay. So. So the so I I mean look. Oh, what do you mean who too? He'd be having a heart attack if it was anyone else. Okay, the way the way the way I look at this class um, is generally how we should look at life and certain people playing aspects of that life. It's not about flash in the pan. You just got to make sure you keep going, studying regularly, studying regularly, and just keep going. You've got to make sure you revise because to be able to defend what you've got from knowledge is essential. It's not about just making a point, isn't it? You know, an opportune moment about scoring an easy goal. Do you know what I'm saying? All right. The one thing that you want to, don't want to do is that when you get to the key moment, it's a slip up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
because, <laughs> because, because slipping up and then starting to then fall back, yeah, that's not what this deen's about. This deen's about istiqama and sabr and quality all the way through, not flashes in the pan. You know what I'm saying? And it's about taking an opportunity because you never know when that opportunity may come back again. So I'm saying, you know, these opportunities to study are very rare, all right? And, you know, far be it from me to be, you know, doing any subliminal messaging or anything like that. Right, so, Jazakumullah uh, Khair. Everybody, let's start this uh, new uh, section then. That section is, uh, no, it's not a new section. It's the um, continuation of... What did we say? We're on page 200 and in the notes, in the, in the Sharh, we are on page 236, right? Uh, the Arabic text that is relevant to that is the next page, yeah, page 2. مِنْ خُفٍ وَجَوْرَبٍ صَفِيقٍ وَنَحْوِهِمَا وَعَلَىٰ عِمَامَةٍ لِرَجُلٍ مُحَنَّكَةٍ أَوْ ذَاتَ ذُؤَابًا وَعَلَىٰ خُمُرِ نِسَاءٍ مُدَارَةٍ so during the translation on page two of the notes, okay, so during minor ritual impurity, all right, so just after you've broken wudu, now we're talking about, all right, one can wipe over, oh, by the way, why does it say minor ritual impurity? Okay, so let's say if it was major ritual impurity, why can't we wipe on it in major? Because you need to do ghusl. Just stating the obvious, yeah? Okay, just so that you know why they said minor. Because if it was major, you need to do ghusl, you need to wash everything, so you can't be wiping over anything. Although there is an exception that's going to come towards the end of the chapter. Alright? So, during minor ritual impurity, okay? And again, just another interesting point. That's what's, what's minor, what's uh, impurity in Arabic? With respect to ritual impurity. Hadith. Good. And how do we differentiate the two of them? Large and small? Correct. Hadith asghar and akbar. Small hadith and a major uh, 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 hadith. Okay? From an Arabic translating point of view, just so that you can see, just so that students, if you have a look at the text, you'll be able to see that the Arabic has hadith in asghar right at the end of the sentence. Okay? Whereas we, in our translation, put it right at the beginning. Because Ours is a rendering and not necessarily a translation literal because literally it is far more difficult to translate. The point of a translation really, and it's interesting, uh, I'm, I'm just sharing some thoughts with you that from an academic point of view, translators and scholars, they're always faced with the challenge of uh, do we, uh, how do you faithfully translate something to an English speaking crowd? And there was always this idea for years and years that translation means exactly that. It's got to be exactly translating so that nothing is lost in translation, literal translation. Then this idea came that, look, you know what it is? It's all about the message. It's about the meaning. And so therefore, people felt a bit guilty replying that kind of approach to the word translation. So that the new word that was introduced was rendering. So it was rendered into English by so-and-so. And here is a rendition of... And I have to say I'm a massive fan of that. But when I... Um, what I think what should happen now, the next stage of this development of this kind of art, is that we should actually be confident enough to say translation itself should be rendering. That there shouldn't need to be another phrase. That we should say, the translation of this verse is this. 
Or the translation of this hadith is this. And if it's the other way around, broken up and down, we took a bit of artistic license yani, with some words and phrases, then so be it. That's a translation. And if we want to be super careful because we're trying to prove an academic point for some reason, then we will say, but literally translated, it means this. Do you know what I'm saying? So I want to try myself move away from the concept of rendering and rend rendition. But this is very much a rendition. Yep. That's why we've put the minor ritual impurity at the beginning. Anyway, during minor ritual impurity, one can wipe over, other than all the socks that we said, uh, leather socks, thick socks, and anything similar to them. So we did that last week, yeah. And a man, number two, a man's turban, which loops under the neck or possesses tails. Possessing tails, which we're going to see. And then number three, female headscarves, which wrap around the neck. Which wrap around the neck. So that's the text. Let's get into the notes then. So we finished off with Nahwi Hima, similar to the Khuf, similar to the Sok. And as we said yesterday, that means boots as well. What we're talking about, we're talking about um, anything and every, uh, a tall position of the class now. The tall position of the class is that we're happy to wipe over leather socks, which is the Khuf, any variation of that leather sock in any kind of manner, be it a cotton sock or be it a Gore-Tex sock or synthetic cloth sock. And in addition to that, something which is of a shoe type, also permissible. Boot, shoe, X, Y, Z. As long as all of those that we just mentioned cover the obligatory aspects of the foot. Meaning from the toes all the way to the ankle. Meaning it has to cover the ankle. As if it was literally the water washing that part itself. So that's what it needs to be. So obviously normal shoes, we're not happy with that. You know, normal kind of shoes. But boots... Maybe we should stop using the word shoes as a result of that. But boots is something which is no problem with um, uh, uh, whatsoever. Okay, these are all included in this in this uh, uh, area. Um, we discussed last week, and I don't want to go back over it again the differences between the scholars. Some of them really, really don't like a thin one, thin socks. And some don't like yeah, any water going through, and some don't, don't want any tears. And Sheikh Uthameen has got you know even more brave kind of opinions where he's saying, look, it doesn't matter about the cut; it's about how much it covers of the foot, and majority covered, then that's good enough, and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of kind of stuff out there. I'm just saying that look, generally, if you can avoid t torn socks, great. If they are torn, it's not a problem. And if they are made of cloth, then that's not a problem. And in terms of the thickness of socks, did we talk about thickness? Really? Yeah, we mentioned it being warm and we mentioned that even thin socks these days can be warm. But did we not get an opportunity to talk about that? Because that's a shame because I put pictures up for the turban. I would have loved to have put up pictures yani, for the types of sock. But I'm sure I did that. But maybe, uh, maybe I'm thinking something else. Because I want to show you guys the one sock that I think in the world that it would be absolutely impossible to wipe over. Okay? It's what I call the Arab sock. Yeah? The Arabs wear this mostly animals, ajib, bestie sock in human history, okay? If you're an Arab and you're feeling embarrassed right now, then good, okay? Arab socks are basically tights. You know women's tights? Huh? Have you got one, Shaz? Well, like, I type in Arab dress sock. Make me laugh my brains out and say Google recognize. Oh my God, there it is. <laughs> Look at the screen. Now, no human being on the planet other than Arabs I've ever seen wear this, by the way, Okay? With all my love and respect to every Arab on the planet, I'm saying I've never seen any man wear these socks. But for Arabs, I don't know. Any other countries want to lay, lay a stake, lay a claim? 
I don't know if I don't know. Huh? I don't know what's happening there. But it's basically it's a woman's tie. It's like I don't know what was that. What was that girl? Was it eighty denier? A hundred denier? Huh? I don't know. Denier is is uh, is the thickness scale used to measure tights. You see, I know many things. <laughs> yeah. I used to get asked by many women, yani, is this denier good enough? I should say, that's absolutely fabulous, that. <laughs> it's a great denier, that. Anyway, so, um, so what you're looking at there is basically just like, I mean, even, even I feel embarrassed to call out stockings. Even the word stocking, by the way, I'll tell you what's something interesting from my language, language point of view. If you look at Old English, right, the word tight is not so, tights. This is not a very academic statement, but this is what I believe. And if someone knows better, then please correct me. I don't think tights is as old as the word stocking. And certainly the word stocking appears much more in English literature and, dare I say, Western literature far, far earlier than, than the word tights. Allah Alam. And I think that was, I think the reason I make that point is that even today when you say the word stocking, you think of thick, isn't it? Or something thicker cloth and so on whereas when you say tights it's not the immediate thing that comes to mind and generally you know i mean even though of course both words can be used uh, uh, either way so what i want to say to you is that that is a joke all right because that's not keeping nothing warm it's not keeping anything it has no function it has i mean you know i've got no idea what's that what, what, what that's doing i've no idea so the kind of sock that we're talking about in terms of thin is the thin sock that everyone wear oh days. Oh my gosh, that's all Shazad's fault. Why give me some rubbish that doesn't even work? It's not even on. Honestly, man, you're so useless, I swear. I just want to say, everybody, okay, that this is, that for the first time in two years, for the first time in two years, Shazad decides to swap the machine that we use to record the class, okay? First time in two years. I've been using I've been using the I've been using the other one for two, two years cons consistently consistently and you know what I said I said to Shaz I go Shaz where's the normal machine and Bob Bob goes he didn't want to use a normal machine he didn't want to know God's name is that he didn't want to use a normal machine so he didn't want to use a normal machine he put some of the bakwas in front of me here now okay yeah he put some of the rubbish in front of me yeah which I have no idea how it works right I think it's now recording. No, no, hold on, hold on, that's different, that's different, wait, 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 we know, this ed roll is, this, this ed roll is, 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 is old, I mean, it's old, this is old as me, we've had this boy for a long time, but that's not the point, is it, every class has its own yanny thing, right, and we've had that machine here, I just pressed the button, this one was dead, now the other one's already turned on, you know what happens, when Nadif is not here, yeah, always falls apart, Shazada thinks that it all revolves, resolves, revolves, revolves around him. But you know, when he was away, was there any problems? Huh? Huh? And the second he comes back in the deep, yani he's busy. You know what it is? Is that as we say, trust no one. Yeah, and we put, you know, we gave him one job to do, and he couldn't even press the button. Oh. Well, but then they go, they go and stand by. Then he blames it being. Oh, have you seen it as well? And he's seen it as well, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. Where are we, man? You're ruining my flow, custom socks. So thin socks is no problem, yeah. Um, like normal thin socks, like your Pringle kind of socks and your normal kind of Marks and Spencer's BHS that kind of sock, yeah. So that's fine. 
Um, and everything on top of that is fine. And the shoes are all fine, boots and all the rest of it, as long as it goes above the ankle. We're happy with that. So now let's move to, uh, and, and you know what it is? Actually, the other thing I was going to say, uh, the other thing which I was going to say, my dear brothers and sisters, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's coming later on, but it's coming so much later on that only God knows, Daniel, when we get to it. But I just want to say that when it comes to wiping, all right, on these shoes, socks, hoofs, and so on, the sunnah, and there is difference of opinion on this issue as well, okay? But the sunnah, and Allah knows best, is to have your hands, and they do not, they're meant to be soaking, they're meant to be just damp, okay? They're not meant to be made specifically damp, it's just a normative damp, yeah? And they're damp, and you will put them both on the top of the feet from the toes and you will wipe upwards at the same time that's the, the key point so wiping at the same time from the toes all the way up to the 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 kind of this part of the shin you know that that part of the shin so one wipe and that's it nothing underneath nothing uh around the sides no twice or three times just one wipe and that's it simultaneously if there's a reason that you can't do both at the same time for some reason you're trying to balance or something like that then that's permissible that's okay to do the right and then the left but in principle it's done at the same time but we're going to come to that properly in detail later on we should give a proper demo, we should give a proper demo yeah 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 turn the camera at bobs and shaz wants to make a demo of wiping on the uh, socks right it's quiet now i was saying yeah right so um and then uh, uh, Imam al-Hajjaw alayhi rahmatullah he says wa ala imamatin lirajul and then number two a ma one can wipe over a man's turban a man's turban all right so Sheikh Uthameen he goes what does that mean it means it's permissible to wipe permissible to wipe over the turban upon the imama and the word imama is comes from yani what ma yu'ammu ala ras which is surrounding the head basically surround remember am by the way means something very general something very wide yani when we say the awam the awam means the masses yeah when you speak to the awam we're speaking to the masses the majority of people so it's like the wide masses so when you say something is am the opposite of it is khas yeah so something which is specific and then am is something which is general so you can understand even linguistically it means that which is general and big and surrounding and unrestricted so uh, from an arabic point of view here though specifically its meaning is to circulate or to, to be around the actual head and it's what everyone knows now how is it or what's the evidence for this being permissible? The hadith of Mughira ibn Shu'aba again, radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَسَحَ بِنَاصِيَتِهِ وَعَلَى الْعِمَامَةِ وَعَلَى خُفَيْهِ Hadith which has been narrated by Imam Muslim, and there are no other versions of this in Bukhari as well. What did the Prophet sallallahu do? He narrated that the Prophet sallallahu he wiped on his forehead, meaning his forelock, okay, he wiped on his forelock, which is just a little bit of hair which is showing. Actually, I'm going to show you in a picture. Sometimes it's like this, okay? So he wiped like that. And then his imama, so the rest of the then, meaning that it didn't come off. So he wiped on that, then carried on to the imama, okay? And upon his hoofs as well. He wiped upon his two leather socks as well. 
All right. Um, now, interestingly, which is nice, this point, Sheikh Uthameen, he says sometimes this imam, this imama, turban, okay, has also been referred to in the texts as the khimar. Now we're going to come to what the khimar means in a minute. But the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam again in Sahih Muslim, masaha ala khufayn wal al khufayn wal khimar. He wiped over his two leather socks and the khimar. Now obviously the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not wearing a hijab, right? Or a headscarf or a veil. So here, as in the language which indicates it, the word khimar actually means al yani al imama. Yani al imama. This hadith has been narrated by Imam Ahmed. Okay. And and he, and Sheikh Tamin makes an interesting point. He goes, if we did not with certainty say that the word khimar means imama, if we didn't, it would then be permissible for us to wipe upon the ghutra. The ghutra is, you know, that checkered flag, checkered flag, <laughs> the checkered, is it even checkered? It is, isn't it? Yeah, the checkered cloth the Saudis wear. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about, yeah? The head kind of scarf thing. Is there a name for it? They call it a Palestinian scarf, right? But you know what I mean. So the, the the red kind of red and white version, the Saudi one, I'm sure everyone knows, okay? So that's obviously their own, that's their national dress, okay? And his point, Sheikh Luthamin's point, alayhi rahmatullah, is that if this really was a khimar as in, in the absolute language, well, of course he's not wearing a hijab, so it must be some kind of cloth which is loose hanging. And therefore, he said that it's important, and this is important, for us to restrict the meanings of the words when it's obvious that they need to be restricted. Because if we didn't, then it would be permissible then for literally someone who's wearing one of those headscarves to just to wipe over that. And then by extension, it would be a lot easier, and we're going to come to this next week, all right, then for someone to argue that you might be, might be permissible to wipe over a normal hat. Just a normal hat. Because then it comes more of an issue, anything which covers the head. So we're going to discuss that part uh, later. But basically what Sheikh Uthameen says is that no, it is, it is, uh, uh, um, it is referring to the imam. It's referring to the imam. Now, um, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, why did, the, why did Imam Hijabi mention the men? Why did he just not say turban? Anyone? Yes, avoid confusion, I guess. But there's actually, because actually, what Sheikh Tamim says, wants to say, is that it is a condition for wiping over a turban that it is for a man. Because if a woman is wearing a turban, then that straight away is impermissible. It is impermissible for a woman to wear a turban, outside of course. Inside she can do what she wants, yeah? She wants to do some kind of freak show behavior and she can do that, knock herself out, yeah? But outside in the public, she can't be wearing a turban, alright? Because it has tashabbuh. This is the imitation of men. Remember that we said that the, the concept of tashabbuh, we covered that in detail, isn't it? Is when you copy people in something which is completely specific to them. And we know that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as as Sheikh Tamim here mentions, وَقَدْ لَعْنَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ سَلَّمَ الْمُتَشَبِّهِينَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ بِالنِّسَاءِ وَالْمُتَشَبِّهَاتِ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ بِالرِّجَالِ The Prophet ﷺ cursed those men 
who imitate women like transgender, that kind of stuff. What they called transgen transvestite, yeah. And then what's the other way called? Same, I think, isn't it? When the woman dresses up like a man and whatever. I don't think they're called transvestite. Trans crossdresser. Maybe, yeah. So, no, I don't think so. Transvestite is both ways? And what's crossdresser? Both ways as well? General term. General term that is more innocent. Yeah, well. It is a debatable point, sir. Okay, so transvestite is no. Right, right, okay. I mean, uh, just so that you know, the, obviously the words are different in Arabic, but not because it's a different word, just from the grammatical point of view. Al-Mutashabihin is always going to be used for men. Al-Mutashabihat is going to be used for women. But the actual principle is Mutashabih, the one who is imitating or resembling another person. And this is hadith narrated by Bukhari, of course, uh, 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 supremely authentic and one which needs to be very uh, carefully uh, looked at. It's very important that we understand that. Now, obviously... Um, I don't want to get into this debate because we talked about clothing and, and tashabbuh before. We spent a lot of time uh, on this concept. But it's really about something which is exclusively aimed at someone. Now, you might argue for trousers. Are women allowed to wear trousers? Okay, trousers. Are trousers something which are considered to be exclusively male? And this is interesting because in principle, you might have thought that that's exactly what they are. That uh, 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 women are... Um, I'm trying to think of a time in society where, where it was exclusively understood that you know trousers are purely for men, and women are are skirts or dresses or so on and so forth. Victorian. See the, huh? The Victorian. Victorian age was when when it, 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 that trousers didn't exist for women. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Sure, sure. In this country, maybe. The problem, of course, is that the uh, sirwal, in principle, is something in the foreign countries to not be a uh, a particular gender-oriented or, or oriented dress. Does that make sense? Okay, and even more so when the woman outside is never seen with that anyway. I want you to know that in principle, a woman would generally be cut, cut, uh, uh, wearing the jilbab, meaning something which is an overdress anyway. All right. So I want to say to you, this is uh, the, the, the issue becomes really difficult, really difficult when you have women in this country, Muslim women, who are not ref who are not wearing a jilbab, something which is a long flowing dress, which is covering whatever else they're wearing underneath, whether that itself be a skirt, trousers, tracky uh, bottoms, or whatever, whatnot. Okay. Um, now I do want to say that yes, there is difference of opinion of what are the parameters of jilbab. Okay, does it have to be a big flowing dress or can it be some kind of secondary clothing on top? I want to say to you that it is a minority position that would say that a woman could be going out in public, in public, with only one, uh, with only one garment effectively on her legs, if that makes sense. Yes? Like, what, what I want to say is that it's the minority position. It's not, I, want, I don't want to come out and say there's an ijma against it because there isn't. I'll tell you why. For example, think immediately of a woman who goes out in a very flowing skirt. A thick flowing skirt. Thick flowing baggy skirt. Uh, or dress, I should say. When I say skirt, sorry, not skirt, dress. Okay? So, 
that for all intents and purposes you would have absolutely no idea if there is a second or third trousers not whatever whatnot it's playing as good a role as any jilbab would you see where the 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 problem is that's why we can't very strictly say it's about having layers and so on more it's about the appearance in general so if a woman is walking around in tight trousers okay or jeans or whatever where that is literally all it is and you are seeing those those literally trousers meaning there's not, no other uh, uh, cloth or anything like that, that's where it gets problematic. It gets problematic there for me, in my personal opinion, much more from a hijab point of view as opposed to a, t- a tashabbuh point of view. But that's also there as well. Because that's exactly how men would wear their uh, jeans and trousers. And that's where it might become super specific. So Allahu alam, it's something which there's no doubt, there's a lot of doubt in. I want to say that basically there's no doubt that Women wearing trousers in a manner that men do, certainly without a jilbab on top, is in a risky, doubtful areas, and many of the ulama will consider that to be something impermissible for women to walk out publicly. But anyway, the point here is that um, the imama has no connection whatsoever. It's the easiest thing in the world because the imam is not covering all the hair anyway, and it's not permissible for a woman to go outside and not cover her hair. So a woman wearing an imama is doing many things wrong. Many things wrong. Okay, So that's why you can't wipe over... It would not be permissible for a woman to do that because the action is haram. Sheikh Mahmoud Shankiti says there's a second scenario. Um, there are two scenarios when a woman would wear a turban. One because she's cross-dressing or, or sick in the head or whatever. Yeah, okay. She's you know doing something haram. And the second reason would be what? Common sense. No, not really that. Sorry. No, no. Espionage. Huh? <laughs> what? See now. Espionage. Espionage. Have you had a long day, bro? Yeah? A&E has been hard today, bro, man. You've had some crazy cases today, huh? What's the second reason? Obvious reason. Same reason for pretty, most, pretty, much, pretty much every single uh, issue in fiqh. Keep it simple, keep it simple. Huh? Uh, okay, maybe that's a third option, but that's not a realistic one. But similar. Yeah, to save herself. There's a need. There's a, there's a, there's a problem. She's dying of, you know, she, cold. She's in the Arctic. She needs to cover her head with anything that's available or whatever, whatnot. Okay? Meaning that there's a darura, right? For her to, to do that. Now, what's interesting is that then if she wears it, tell me the rulings. She wears something which is an, a turban. What would be the rulings be? So is it haram? No, no, but a turban by its nature can't cover the hair. Let's say it's a fixed one. She's put it on to save her head from basically freezing or whatever. Tell me the rulings now that, that come into play. Wait till the necessity is finished. So first of all, start from the very beginning. Permissible to? To wear it, whereas previously it... Good. That's the most obvious point. She's permissible for her to pick this up, put it on her head to protect her head. Even though it's haram because of durura. There's only one other ruling we're caring about. What's that, what's that ruling? Whether it's permissible to wipe over it. What do you think? So I don't know of any scholar that allows that wiping. And it doesn't make sense either. The wiping is a ruling of normality which is based upon one's normative use of that garment. Here, okay, it's being used uh, yani, not in its 
normal sense. It's not being used in its normal manner, etc., etc., etc. So it's not permissible to wipe over it. Now we can also put another caveat on that. Let's say that she literally couldn't wipe her head because you know of xyz reason can't reach or can't do something can't get it off her head for example basically condition the same as for the hoof so it needs to be pure and i mean intrinsically pure the cloth itself must be pure and it must be mubah meaning it can't be something which is haram can't be something which is stolen or something which has pictures on it or made of silk or anything like that okay and sheikh also says that the uh, uh, um sheikh uh, uh, imam al-hajawi has mentioned the word rajul which means man but, but, that, but, but Imam al-Hijawi wasn't intending by the statement man to say that a boy can't do it. Alright? So he said that a boy can. And boy we mean balagh. Okay? Because the non-balagh is, is, is irrelevant anyway. Okay? Um, but if a child was going to do it, it's not a problem. A balagh, yani, a post-pubescent boy and a man, all of them are permissible. All, all of them are uh, it's allowed, it's allowed, it's allowed. Okay, right. Now, Sheikh then goes, uh, There are now two conditions which the Hanbalis put. Either or, that this needs to be um, there in the turban. Either the turban needs to be one which is muhannak, which comes under as Sheikh Uthameen. He said that it must come which is this area here. Basically means under the neck. Okay, so we're talking underneath here, right? Or it needs to be that uh, zuaba, uh, uh, meaning it must have either a tail or two tails or a long piece which is in the manner of a tail. Maybe some of them like they kind of, you know, they, they kind of like a pony's tail. They kind of, uh, you know, it hangs like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's hanging where one part is longer um, and longer and it's trailing at the back. So we're gonna, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures now, okay? So let's have a map, Shats. Um, I think yeah, I did, you didn't are doing an order. You know, I did it. Uh, you, you haven't got an order, have you? No. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's in order now, yes. Okay, go to the f first one. Okay, so this is the perfect one we're talking about. This is Mohannak and that. Characteristics here is that it has come underneath the and that's normally done to keep it in place in general, okay? Especially if moving around and working and stuff. And you can obviously see the tail. All right, we'll, see, we'll show you some more versions of that. So the next one, I think, shows it a bit more clearly because of the color. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so this is another version, okay? This is the Hausa, all right? You know, by the way, <clears throat> um, the first guy, he's from the family of Tore. <laughs> I just couldn't resist that, that's all. If you go back to the first picture, I think this may be uh welcome. This is Mama Dutore. Okay? Right. Um see this from Ivory Coast. Alright, Hausa tribe, yep, you done that one, Shaz. Yep, okay. So now we're looking at a different one. Now the reason I chose this one, this you can see clearly the, the tail. This is a classic imama. Alright? And I want you to know that Sheikh Uthameen, the reason why uh, sorry, why the Hanbalis are making these as two conditions is because that is how the turbans used to be. That's the point here. The turbans at that time used to be most of the time because it's not just a fancy thing of, you know, whatever. Okay, you could get mega fancy ones that you could look of that archetypical picture of Lawrence of Arabia. You know what I'm saying? The one that you've seen, you know, in all the posters that is underneath there, there. And he would often just lift it up and then 
you know, cover his mouth with it. Now here, the reason I mention this is that this is, I, I just didn't have time because I was late, but this, this chap here, if you look, it's right on the edge of his hairline. Right on the edge of his hairline. And many of these turbans, they go back further and they just expose like a little triangle of the hairline. That is what we're talking about when we say that the Prophet ﷺ, he wiped on his, his, his forehead his forelock and his nasiyah, right? And then the rest. That's what it means. Okay, folks? Right, carry on. Um, and uh, this one here, Bring it down a little bit. Yeah, the reason I showed this one is that this doesn't have the obvious big tail, does it? All right? But that there is tail enough. That one there is tail enough. Again, according to the Hanbalis. According to the Hanbalis. Let's make sure that we make that clear. Because we're going to have our say in a second. And then the last one. Now, um, what's that screen, Yara? Is it showing there? No, that, that, that blue screen thing. No, you can't see that. All right. Well, I can't see either. What's behind it? Is it just covering his... Okay. If I, I mean, I can't see, to be honest, but I think that this is just covering his head. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. There's no tail or nothing, sah? Oh, I don't know what this is, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. That might be a separate cloth, because Sudanese, they like that kind of behavior, yeah? Right? There might be a separate cloth around the neck. I'm not too sure. But again, you've got now much clearer the shape there. Imagine that goes a bit higher up. And you can take it off now, Shaz. Um, imagine that goes a bit higher up, uh, that triangle cut, then you've got hair showing, and then you're allowed to wipe over that. So again, Shaykh Hussein is saying that this was the nature of the turban at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, in the time of the Arab, actually. This is, of course, something which is important because there are some uh, uh, Muslims, and they are... And I want to say that they are probably the minority, easily the minority, and certainly academically it cannot stand. Uh, but basically, they believe that to wear a turban is a sign of um, either uh, an increased love of the Prophet ﷺ or increased imitation of the Prophet ﷺ, which itself is a, is a highly rewarded act, of course. Or, or the most serious of all, these first two are not so serious, but we are going to come to that in a second. The third, which is the month during the salah, is increased by 70 times in reward. Or wearing a green turban is like this. I want to say to you straight off the bat, so that we don't waste any time, that there is not a single authentic hadith. Every single hadith which is narrated with respect to the turban, increasing the reward of an action, fasting or salah or this or that, or green or white or this, is all either fabricated or very weak. Alright, so it's not acceptable to wear a turban believing it increases. By wearing a turban, you must have exact permission from the Prophet ﷺ to do that. Otherwise, you are legislating in the Prophet's place. That's a dictionary definition of bid'ah. Okay, so I want to make that very clear. But then, there, but most people, I think in my opinion, are from the simple people. They wear a turban not because they believe that there's a hadith or that there's this or that. They do it because they say that this is what we understand the Prophet ﷺ to have looked like and this is what we understood his turban to be like and we want to look like the Prophet ﷺ as much as possible. Now I want to say to you, this particular issue is a matter of difference amongst the scholars. You will always have two opinions and you have the first opinion which is that unless there's an evidence, we shouldn't do that. And at the same time, you have the other school, which is to say that, you know what, if a person wants to do that out of love of looking like the greatest man that there ever was, then why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't a person be rewarded for his intention, regardless of what happens at the end of it? Not because he's increasing his actions reward, but he just out of love. It's like when you see a style. 
and a fashion on the street. I would like, I would like to wear, you know, I'd like that t-shirt. I'd like to wear it like this. I want to wear my jeans like that. I want to wear my shoes like this or whatever. You do it because you like something or you respect someone. That's why people use models and celebrities because you want to look like them. So subhanAllah, why would you not want to look like the Prophet ﷺ if you had a good idea of what the Prophet ﷺ looked like, right? So I want to say to you that an Abdullah ibn Umar Ibn al-Khattab, he is the, of course, the leader of the second opinion. He used to copy the Prophet in everything. He would look at the Prophet if he saw a button undone, he would undo the button. When in fact, actually, the button was being undone because the Prophet just wanted a bit of air. Right? But Abdullah ibn Umar is saying, you know what? I want a bit of air too. You know what I'm saying? And that's, you can't fault him for that. How can you fault someone for that? I want to be like the Prophet in every way. What's the correct position? There isn't really, it's not easy to say there's a correct position. Insha'Allah, my top position on this issue is that I believe that a person who copies the Prophet out of love for him, he is rewarded fully for his intention. And that's my belief. But it cannot be believing that there's an extra reward in it or that it increases his actions, but rather that he wants to be like the one that he loves because the Nabi Wasallam said, you will be with the one that you love. All right? So that's, I think, an okay point. Uh, and there's an important distinction there to make. All right. Now, I know there's some questions, but I need to really move on, make sure that I cover at least more than two pages. Right. Um, okay. So, Sheikh uh, al he says that uh, what is the, uh, the dalil? What is the evidence of the humbly madhab to make this legal statement? That you are only allowed to wipe over the turban if it has a loop under the neck or loop under the chin, sorry, I should say. Is it under the neck? That's wrong, isn't it? It shouldn't say under the neck. It should say under the chin, shouldn't it really? What does loop under the neck mean? In it. It's a bit lower, right? Yeah. I think it kind of just like, whereas under the chin would cover both, yes? I might think we might change that. I think we might change that then. All right? Okay. So uh, what is the evidence for doing that? What's the evidence for doing the, uh, the, the, the tail? What is the evidence? That's it. That's the only evidence they have. And as you can imagine, that's going to get ripped apart. As you can imagine, that's going to get ripped apart. And so, uh, Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he is the one, as, as Sheikh Taymiyyah here says on the next page, he said, he goes, you know, he is the one who went against this condition. He said, hold on. Uh, There's no evidence whatsoever to condition that he needs to have this or he needs to have that. There's just no evidence. Okay. And he says, and Sheikh Taymiyyah carries on, he says, look at the nas, look at the text. The text is imama. An imama is an imama. It should be left restricted until we have evidence to restrict it. So anything which is covering the head and it looks like the turban, then that is good enough. And once we've said that it is permissible to wipe over the turban, it's permissible to wipe over every turban. And this is an important point. He goes, if you want to understand the issue more, why scholars did condition those two things, what, what do you think? Put your, put your scholarly hats on and, or turbans on and, and think why is it that they were quite kind of leaning towards putting extra kind of details on the turban? Is it to prevent it going the other way? Like you said, that I don't think so because we're going to be able to give a concession for others in a minute as well. This is to do the illa. What do you think the illa is here? Difficulty? Would you agree with that? 
Bob's is saying that the, diff- the illa is mashakka, difficulty, taking things off, taking, you know. So would you agree that one which is just, you know, ha- take off, put back on, is a lot easier than that which is tied around the neck, maybe one or two times, you need to untie it. Uh, I'm not too sure what the real issue is there, but maybe if you lifted it up with the tail, then it starts to unravel and so on. Yes? Sheikh Uthaymeen, he makes an interesting statement. He goes, وَلِأَنَّ الْحِكْمَةَ مِنَ الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْإِمَامَ لَا تَتَعَيَّنُوا فِي مَشَقَّةِ النَّزَعِ He goes, frankly, we don't have any clear evidence to say that the only illa in wiping over the imama is to relieve difficulty, to relieve the difficulty of taking it off. There's no evidence to restrict it to that. He's basically saying there could be other reasons as well. If we were certain that the only illa is that it's because of difficulty, then yes, we can start building a case. But there's no evidence. There's no actually evidence to suggest that it's to do with pure difficulty as uh, uh, for uh, um, uh, uh, just that, 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 that is just the, the illa. And Shaykh Uthameen, he, ca- he carries on. He goes, if a person wants to take his imama off, then most of the time, what's going to happen? Okay, if he takes it off, he's going to get hot, he's going to get bothered, maybe get burned, and he's going to maybe sweat. Okay, um, so he said, that is the, the issue. He goes, this is what's more clearer to me from the illa, that basically you're taking it off and you're going to uh, expose your head to X, Y, and Z. It's not necessarily, or if you've if your head's cold and it blows, or this or that, it's just an unnecessary uh, thing that you have to do. It's not necessarily that it's difficult to take off. Do you understand what I mean? You might be saying, keep it on because it's a difficulty to take, take off. When we come to the hijab, the, khim, the khimar, it's making sense that when you untie it, this, that, whatever, that's a mission, isn't it? And especially if someone's outside or whatever, but we'll come to that point separately as well. So what Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen is saying that it's not necessarily about the difficulty of taking it off, it's more more possibly the difficulty of what happens once you take it off. And all the hassle. And it's for that reason that it's been allowed to remain on the head. So this is the point. So therefore, and then Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, he finishes off, he says that, and it is not obligatory to have to wipe on those parts of the head that are uncovered by the turban. In principle, it's obligatory to wipe over the head. Do you agree? It's an obligation in wudu. Please tell me yes. My goodness. I'm going to be a heart attack. Yeah? So it's an obligation to wipe over the head. What about the ears? What did we say? It's part of the head. Did we say it's part of the head? Where's people who have actually read their notes, even once at least? Someone tell me from our notes, what's our taught position? What's our positions? Oh my God. No one remembers, huh? That's the obligatory aspect. And the actual wiping of the entire ear itself is something which is a sunnah. Okay? So, and even by the way, even those who believe, as we said, we believe that it's not, not an obligation. Alright? But even those who do believe it's an obligation... Okay, which is the majority of the scholar, the majority of the a'imma. Okay, then even they say that what the obligation is to get the fingers into the ears, as we demonstrated in the video and so on. Yeah, and then even for them, the hole around the ear is an extra addition. So it's good to do that anyway. But I'm just saying. Now, what Sheikh Uthaymeen is saying, if you've got an amama on, sorry, sorry, uh, let's just make a rest quickly. Therefore, what is the top position of the class with respect to a turban? That anything which is called a turban is allowed to wipe over. 
and I wasn't able to bring up the picture, but I think you can, you, you've seen turbans which are rolled around, but are just lifted up and put down again, yes? They don't have a neck part, chin part, they don't have a tail, but those are permissible to wipe over. Because anything which is called a turban, it is permissible to wipe over. And that is involves, and uh, you know what, the Sudanese ones are the ones we're talking about here. Those guys, you know, have you ever seen that one? That video of the guy, Yanni, who has to make his uh, uh, turban up? Might, I might, might bring that video next week. It's a crazy video. So, you know, they make it up very quickly. It doesn't have a tail, it doesn't have a front part, doesn't have a side part. You can wipe over that if there is a need. The point here now is if there's hair showing, here at the, there, here at the back, do you need to wipe over it? Because it's an obligation to wipe over your head. The answer is no. It's a sunnah to do that. It's something which is permissible. If you don't wipe on this part or those parts, then it's okay. If you did alongside the turban, that's fine. Is that clear, everybody? Is that clear? Anything, any hair which is showing, then it is, it is recommended to wipe over that. And that's fine, inshallah. But obligatory? No. All right. Um, and then wa'ala khumuri nisa, and now upon the khimar of the nisa. All right. What's a khumur? Khumur is the plural of the word khimar. All right. Khimar is the singular. Khumur, um, and the word comes from khumra. The Arabic word of khimar and khumur, plural comes from the Arabic uh, uh, word khumra. And the word khumra means that which covers something. That which covers something. And uh, that's why when we uh, uh, call alcohol khamar, which comes from the same verb, it's because literally it covers your ability to, uh, to think. Your faculty of, of thinking and, and reflecting and, you know, normal intellectual faculties. They're, they're, they're sabotaged by the drink. They're covered completely. All right. So the khimar of the mar'a is that which is covering her head. All right. And by that then we mean the headscarf. Not the hijab. You see, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The word hijab means so many different things for different people. Okay. Hijab is a state, not a cloth. But we call it that which is yani covering the hair. I want to say to you that in Arabic, the word khimar is the only thing which physically covers the hair. That which physically covers the actual head itself is called the khimar. Is that clear, everybody? Okay. Um, has uh, Isha entered? Quarter past. You, uh, uh, when you want to give that then? No? Go ahead. But it was online. Um, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is not here. Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu an la ilaha
Reminder again then that um, next week, inshallah, eight o'clock uh, BST is now ten ten BST. So next week onwards, eight o'clock BST, every lesson will be. Um, I think we'll stop there in terms of the text because it's just at the beginning of the uh, khimar, okay? And uh, we'll just do now, I guess, some Q&A from online and anything that we have here. So I want to say, uh, the question is, can I clarify the exact term for a, th a thin sock? I think that she means, or they, they mean uh, in Arabic or in Sharia, there's no such thing. The word sock is jawrab, and then they mention either thick or uh, safiq or khafif or thaqil. They just use general terms of thickness, thinness, thickness, thinness. So there's nothing like that. The majority of the majority of the Imat al Arba, the four Imams as we mentioned last week, and you need to review that. Okay? Say that wiping over a thin sock is unacceptable. They want it to be strong enough to walk in, they want it to be standing up by itself, they want it to be completely free of any deficiency. We said that look, it's not about walking miles and miles in a sock. It's about it being solid enough to stay up by itself. It's what what everyone knows is a sock, it's not a tight. And it doesn't leak water. But, you know, it might get a bit of damp. Normal thin sock. And a picture I showed you is the one which is unacceptable. Anyone here? Yeah. Um, in regards to imitation, um, it's basically said wearing, imitating outside is restricted. What about indoors? Is that not restricted as well? So Im imitating indoors is impermissible if it's done for the sake of imitation. If it is done for some other reason of some display or whatever amongst private whatever for some defined reason then maybe there's some space for that maybe there's some space for that uh, in terms of the jibab, what about school uniforms for the girls? so i think again 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 it comes back down to um uh, uh in principle there was there never was this challenge of having to worry about uh, a single cloth having to play the role of the jilbab because by, by definition jilbab itself means another layer of clothing an outer kind of clothing right like a jacket would be or like a long dress coat or whatever and so therefore um, we're already kind of in a problematic area so we're trying to make excuses that if someone's got really baggy clothes of some sort then they might get away with it but it is an issue it is a problem and um, and certainly I don't think it's acceptable personally I don't think it's acceptable for uh, a, a female to be going to school in just a shirt and a, a trousers. I believe that she should be trying to wear some kind of jilbab, or if that's not not possible and she has no other option, then as baggy as clothes as possible, as baggy as clothes as possible. Yeah. Right. Just a 
Yes, normal cotton socks are. Water is going to seep through through every material. Okay, it will go through. You're not meant to be washing your feet through the socks. Yeah, you're just you've got just damp hands, and you're just going. To, so your socks are going to be damp. Your socks are always going to be damp. Uh, uh, so that's fine. That's fine. But you're not meant to be really kind of soaking your feet. All right. I want to say to even Taymiyyah even himself said even water seeps through. So what? And the reality is is that water is going to seep through. It's not about the water seeping through. And Um, no, it doesn't. Uh, the 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 question is is that does it apply? Does the same rules apply that it needs to be put on in a state of wudu? No, the answer is not that at all. If a person, uh, let me give you an example. Let's say that you have wudu, and then you break wudu, and then you stay in that broken state of wudu for two hours, and then you find a turban and you put it on and you go outside, okay? And now you're making wudu. You can still wipe over that turban, even though you you were not in wudu when you put it on, because the turban and 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 this is, it's unlike the sock exactly, and this is how it's unlike the sock, and that's what Shaykh Thameen will talk about next week. Makes sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Yes, and it was above the ankle, of course. It was a boot, yeah. Yep. So that's going to come next week, inshallah. That's a, not next week, actually, in a couple of weeks. That's a much more detailed issue about what happens when you remove. First of all, is it permissible for to a person to carry on praying in that? Yes. Is it? Does it break the wudu by taking off the actual shoe? No, it doesn't. That's fine as well. Do some ulama allow you to wipe over the sock? Yes, they do. It is allowed to wipe over the sock if you put that sock on in a state of wudu. But then if you were to put on the shoe back again and try wiping over the shoe, that would not be allowed. But that's not your question. Your question is if you remained in the just the socks, could you then make a wipe over them? And the, you will see that we will lean towards the pin that is permissible. But there's a lot of detail in that. Okay, and I think we'll call it at that, inshallah. Uh, as I said, Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is not here, so there will be no salah on the uh, TV. 8 o'clock BST next week, inshallah. Notes are on the forums. They haven't been checked by myself. And I think that's pretty much about it. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilaik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.